the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedy Kind. Hello, my name is Heather Mosier. I am your guest host today for Relevant Recovery Radio. Our normal host, Larry Wiedekind, is away on business, and so I am filling in, and I'm so excited and nervous because I have <laughs> two of my favorite people ever as a guest on the show today. Uh, Brittany Germany is here. Say hello. Hi. And David Ludlow. Hey there. And I love these people so much. Uh, I've known them both for a couple years. We're in the same program, Fellowship Family, and we're all in recovery together. I really, really respect uh, what they do personally and in the community and spiritually. And so I thought, who better if I get to host a show to have my two favorite people on uh, so we can talk about recovery from people who actually live it. Uh, So I'm excited. So first of all, welcome, David. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you. How did you get sober, David? What was that journey like trying to realize you need some help? Well, First of all, it was a, it was all God, <laughs> yeah. um, although I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Um, and through uh, some divine intervention uh, with Him working through my mother, yeah, um, was kind of the catalyst that I made that decision in two thousand two thousand seventeen to finally get some help after yeah. really struggling for about thirty years. Thirty years. Thirty years. Mm-hmm. Um, afflicted from this disease, alcoholism, uh, drug use, and. Um, you know, I rode that roller coaster for a long time. Yeah. Ups, downs, some things worked, a lot of things didn't. Mm-hmm. Courts didn't help. Yeah. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And really about the last decade before I finally went to treatment, um, it was just that that sliding sliding downhill. Um, farther to, down the scale. Just further down the scale. <laughs> yeah. You know, as we say in our program, you know, I couldn't put the shovel down. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought th- I thought the answer was, you know, I'm going to get myself out of this. But the only thing I knew how to do was just keep digging a bigger, deeper hole. Yeah. And obviously that was not working. <laughs> Isn't that the baffling thing? Sometimes you'll hear like, oh, you just got to find your rock bottom or like all I knew how to do was dig deeper. Yeah. And even though that's not what I wanted to do at all. And I couldn't figure out why I wasn't staying sober despite my desire. So you were saying you had a desire to be sober years before. Not really. No? Okay, how'd that go? No, it it just, it was, I think I had just gotten so numb. Yeah. And I, because of, I had a lot of legal trouble, Mm -hmm. um, even, God, probably seven, eight, nine years before I actually went to treatment. With those those things kind of being on my record, I, I just... I just figured that I'm destined to this life of misery. Yeah, I get that. That this this is the this is the bed that I I made. Mm-hmm. This is what I have to do, and um, if that's how I die, that's how I die. Yeah, that's kind that's kind of where I was at. And so you said your mom intervened. What did yeah. she do? So my mom had, which I didn't know until really well into um, my treatment journey, had been going to Al-Anon. Okay, um, for about. I want to say about six months yeah. before she, you know, stood up to me okay. and basically said, you know, I'm, I'm done with you, mm-hmm. and unless you go get some help, 
And I didn't know where that was coming from because I kind of got blindsided. By it. I'm like, I've been able to manipulate this woman my entire life, yeah. you know, yeah. and 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 just con her with with all the the manipulation. And all of a sudden, that, she had a backbone. And all of a sudden, she got a backbone. Mm-hmm. Like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Right? And um, yeah, so she, you know, I'm an only child. It's just my mom and I left, you yeah. know. And she gave me that ultimatum. Said, you know, I'm willing to um, invest the dollar amount for yeah. you to go to treatment, which is not, which is not cheap. It's not. And, uh, but I'm willing to do that and let, um, you know, if you go get some help, mm-hmm. but if not, then I'm done with you. Yeah. So you were willing. In Somewhat. a sense, <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I, I looked at it more of, okay, I need a break. Cause a, I can get her off my back for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even know how sick I was. Mm-hmm. That that's the thing. Cause I was, you know, in a sense, still functioning yeah. every day. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, my, I mean, I, I didn't suffer the blackouts or anything like that. Yeah. It was just, I woke up, I got high. Yeah. By noon or so, I was drinking. Yeah. And then that just led to other things throughout the day. Yeah. And it was never like an all night thing. Like I went to sleep every night, mm-hmm. but then I wake up right up, right again the next morning. Restless, irritable, and highly discontented with my life. <laughs> but that's what our literature says that yeah. we can't differentiate the true from the false. To that's us, it. our life, the alcoholic or drug addict life, normal seems one. normal. Yeah. yeah. That we are completely broken from our, our perception of reality, that we think we don't have that bad of a problem, and we stay completely delusional. And the more alcoholics and drug addicts that I work with and, and try to get sober, I think that alcohol only people stay in that delusion much longer. Because yes. if you are uh, using illicit drugs like I was if you were an IV heroin addict then you absolutely know you should hide that that's not socially normal <laughs> yeah. uh, but alcohol is socially acceptable it is legal I think alcohol only people stay in that delusion that they don't have a problem much longer I totally agree, I agree with you, you. Totally agree with you I think it's much harder for folks to accept, accept the fact that that's a problem unless you are really suffering some heavy consequences yeah. um you know the blackouts. You know those sort of things. The 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 physical ailments that come with the health issues. I mean, those are like the big red flag right. triggers. Like, oh, maybe I have a problem. You think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know? yeah. <laughs> you know, like yep. we've been watching right. you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I think a lot of us can even recognize some of that. I mean, I could see that some in my own family. Yeah. You know, and recognize. You know, I mean, um, you know, I had, you know, my, you know, my grandmother suffer from alcoholism my aunt my uncle mm. you know i mean my, my cousin still you know and and that's fine if they want to recognize it that's good right but i mean because i have no control over that i just know what i can't do today i was blindsided by it in my family i'm the only drug addict and alcoholic besides one like distant half cousin but uh, I, I was blindsided my whole family was blind they had no idea how to deal with me yeah. and uh thank god for your your mom doing what my dad did and just be, drew the line in the sand and said i'm not going to continue to enable you you're going to have to do something i'm done loaning you money i'm done giving you a place to crash i'm done i'm done i'm done and that tough love uh was a good catapult towards me finally getting sober later mine wasn't as immediate as yours i think you're what we call the one chip wonder yeah, yeah. <laughs> you went to treatment once and went it's to treatment stuck. once you know i i embarked and um you know into our fellowship yep. once and uh that was it yeah we'll be right back after this break from relevant recovery radio and we'll talk to Brittany. thank you don't go anywhere
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your guest host, Heather Mosier. Uh, I'm representing Matthews Hope. I'm the spiritual wellness director, the alumni coordinator, and the recovery support team lead for the aftercare. And I have two of my favorite people in recovery here with me today, David Ludlow and Brittany Germany. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Before we went on break, David was kind of telling you about his process on how he uh, tripped and fell into some recovery, uh, really not knowing what was coming. Um, But his mom had laid down uh, some some rules, some accountability, some tough love. Yeah, and and that he needed that, and uh, and so Brittany, what did that look like for you? This process of suffering in hopeless alcoholism versus thinking maybe you need some help. So for me, I believe that I was an alcoholic and addict way before I ever picked up the first drink or drug. Um, I struggled with a lot of trauma as a child, mm-hmm. and that I didn't really know how to like process or deal with, and I think that carried over with me into my adulthood. Yeah. Um, so I remember like taking my first drink, but I remember drinking alcoholically my first drink, yeah. right? Like I blacked out, didn't know where I was. Um, and, and to be honest, it was with my mom, oh, my, wow. my biological yeah. mom. Um, she was kind of like my my stepping stone into my alcoholism, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, and then I rem- alcoholism and, and drug addiction run pretty deep on my mom's side of the family. Um, and I can remember like it just progressively getting worse for me, right? Like it started with the alcohol, then I went to the pills and then the eggs and then the Coke and then meth was like my final end all, yeah. right? Um, and as soon as I, I did that, it was it was game over for me. Um, and it just progressively got worse. And, and I, I, I dove into my addiction with the females on my mom's side of the family, oh. right? And so it was kind of like a, a family ordeal, family right. drug. Um, which was which was crazy because I came from a good home with mm-hmm. with my dad. I was like um, stable, you know, in bed every night by eight. Water polo, sports, all the things, all A's in high school and middle school. Um, and I just remember like getting a taste of that lifestyle and yeah. wanting like more, more, more. Right. It was exhilarating. It was exhilarating, mm-hmm. you know, um, until it wasn't. And this was your opportunity to bond with your biological mom, right? Which <laughs> she's a whole other story for a whole other day. <laughs> We yeah, don't have time so for, that today. for a rainy day. All right. <laughs> Hopefully, she's not listening. Um, you know, but yeah, she she's a def- definitely another story. Um, but I can I can remember like it was so fun in the beginning, and then till it wasn't fun, yeah. right? And I remember like it just progressively got like deeper and darker for me. Um, and and I remember like wanting, unlike David, to get sober, yeah. and in my mind being like, man, like I can't do this anymore. Like I need to get sober. Like what's got to give, you know? And like. My thing, the things that didn't work for me was running, right? Geographical change. Like, I was like, oh, it's not working for me in Houston. I'm going to get on a Greyhound and go to Austin, yeah. right? And then it would just, like, find me there. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm done here. I'm going back to Houston. Yeah. And, like, it would just find me. And then, you know, I, I tried to go to treatment a couple of times um, until my parents were like, no, you're cut off. Like, mm-hmm. we're taking you off the insurance. Like, um, How many times did you go to treatment? I went to treatment twice. Um, I went to Sundown Ranch and then Pathway to Recovery. Um, and then... My other, I was, I'm like the poster child for everything. Mental yeah. institutions, jail, prison, yeah. <laughs> rehab. Like, <laughs> I am the poster child. I've done it all. Um, and, and for me, like, everything worked a little bit. It was like, because it planted the seed each time I went, right? Mm-hmm. Even jail, because I was like, dude, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, like, and... And so each time I went, I would get a little bit alone time. I would connect with my like higher power, God. Um, and I remember being in prison and in there for a year, and like I didn't have my family supporting me, and like I they just kind of wrote me off, yeah. right? Like I was, I was they were done with me, in which I understand today, yeah. you know. Um, but I remember being in, in prison and just being alone, and be like, man, I don't want to do this again, yeah. right? And I got out, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay sober, and 
I started drinking, mm. right? And I was like, oh, I can Trying drink. to stay away from the drugs. Right, yeah. I can drink normally, right? Like I can drink like a normal human being and until I couldn't, right? Yeah. I think that lasted maybe a couple of months and right. then I was like, that one time I got so drunk, I was like, I gotta go get high, yeah. right? And so, and, and back down the, the barrel, there I went, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I think when it really got dark for me was like when I, I really, I was at a point where I didn't care if, if I lived or I died. I just yeah. didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's the hopeless point that no matter, like we all have that in common when we share our stories in recovery is that even if you didn't have any external consequences like homelessness or jails or any of that, like we all have that common denominator of being so hopeless and bankrupt internally mm-hmm. that you're just really not hoping you wake up the next day sometimes. That's the hardest part, I think. Yeah, Most definitely. You know, I mean, I could deal with all the external stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean... I, I could deal with that, right. but I couldn't. I didn't know how to deal with what was going on with me inside. The internal misery. The internal Most misery. Definitely. Exactly. I don't know about y'all, but we kind of all has, have this in common. I, I just went through life feeling completely uncomfortable in my own skin, but I thought everybody else was the problem and mm-hmm. that it wasn't me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You too. <laughs> exactly. I could complain about everybody around me. Yeah. You know, and it sure wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, and turns out it was me. <laughs> the whole time yeah, the whole yeah. time I, I hated who I saw in the mirror yeah. I like I honestly like I hated looking in the mirror because I didn't like who I saw yeah. you know and that was that was rough for me um I think my breaking point was like like I was at that point you know and and I did I did try to take my own life and I think God had other plans for me and I didn't realize it in that moment right. that God had other plans for me because I like when I got into the program I was complete atheist. Right. I didn't want anything to do with God. I thought God had like forgot about me and I was just one of his abandoned child children, you know. Um, and it wasn't until um, I got into the program and I started working the steps and, and little signs started happening here and there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, God sh- started showing me things that like, hey, like I have a life for you. Like that's better than the life that you had. Right. right? Um, and this is going to sound so cliche or whatever, but I remember the the time that I was like, okay, God, like I know you're real. Right. Yeah. I was working at Goodwill and I was like sorting through the, um, the sweaters, like color coordinating them yeah. and something bad just happened. And I was like crying at work and all of a sudden I like switched it over and there was a sweater and it said, life is tough, but so are you. Aww. And I don't know if that was a God thing, but yeah. for me it was yeah. right. Like I was like, wow, like, those okay, little cool. moments. Yeah, like I can do this, right? Yeah. Like and, and I just I dove deep into the program and 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 like David said, man, like I couldn't be here today without God. Yeah. And I, I don't know if y'all agree w- with me, but I did not expect to actually stay sober when I got sober For this sure. time. I, I really sure. didn't know. Yeah. Because I'd had so much experience not staying sober. I didn't have this great um I don't know, conviction that, oh, it's going to work this time. Right. And I'm confident with it. I yeah, was I just so didn't scared. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know. I for was sure. so scared. I'm a runner. So when things start getting a little bit uncomfortable for me, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I got to go. Yeah. You know? And so like, and sobriety is uncomfortable yeah. sometimes, yeah. especially in the beginning. And like, there were times where I'm like, why am I doing this? You mm-hmm. know, like, do I stay or do I go? And, and I would just sit on my hands and I'd call women in the program and thank God I stayed, yeah. you know? Thank God. Thank God. That's you know? so awesome. You know, I, I always go back and I share with folks, you know, like, my my day one intake counselor when I went to treatment at the right step, you know, told me two things. Said, David, you never have to feel this way again. Mm-hmm. And your best days are yet to come. Yeah. And that sounded reasonable. It sounded reasonable. Yeah. You know, it sounded <laughs> but reasonable. not attainable. <laughs> but that's the thing. I, I like, yeah, that sounds great. How? But. You know, I'm terminally unique. Oh, right, of course. Yeah. Right? I'm and, different. That, and that's what this disease tells us that no one, no one feels and understands what's going on with me. Right. And, the, and the beauty of 
our program is that it's full of people that understand exactly, exactly. what I'm dealing that with. That was what was amazing when I found the fellowship and started listening and I found all the things that I thought made me so different and so unique. Uh, I'm not. We all are the same. And yeah. y'all speak to my, my internal language that yes. I didn't know how to even communicate my whole life. I just I didn't know why I felt different. I didn't know why I didn't feel like I ever belonged or that people didn't like me or I'm at a party and you're just waiting until I leave so you can talk about me. I'm just yeah. paralyzingly insecure and unhappy with myself, sober sober mm -hmm. and and then we get into this program and we find out that that alcohol and drugs had been a solution to my problem that was me uh and, and then you get to a point where it doesn't work right mm -hmm. and i wanted to be sober for years uh and just seemed to keep failing and going and going back out and returning to it and i couldn't figure out why and so I, i'll have five years uh my spread date eight twenty six sixteen. and what's yours Brittany? uh march 6 2019 and so, so that's amazing we're freaking miracles man yes. we are like, yeah. I should be dead. I know y'all stories. We should all we should not all be, be sitting here sober and happy. Maybe not dead, but, God, but I should though. have been <laughs> multiple in decades in prison. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, I think man. that's so amazing what God can do with us if we just get out of our own way. Mm -hmm. And and so after, after a quick break, we're going to return to Relevant Recovery Radio. Don't go anywhere. We got more cool miracle stuff to talk to you about. to global warming with the most heated topics of now. The drug epidemic. Social media. He did not commit suicide. He was murdered. KPRC 950. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier, and with me I have David Ludlow and Brittany Germany. Hello. Hey there. <laughs> and so let's talk about what worked. We, we all finally got sober. Uh, and, and in my experience with the program that we're in, it's a spiritual program of action. And coming in, I had a lot of ideas, and I had to shed some old ideas and be willing to just take some suggestions. So early on, what did that look like for you to try to wrap your brain around the program? You know, basically, the, you know, it you know it took about a week or so, week ten days to get the fog lifted, mm -hmm. right? To start being able to deal with what I was feeling, what mm -hmm. I'd suppressed for so long, you yeah. know, with drugs and alcohol. Um, and then as I started to getting, you know, a clear head and, you know, we'd attend these meetings and I'd hear all these these recovery stories and mm -hmm. these miracles are happening for other people. Yeah. I was like, why not me? Yeah. You know, why not me? And, um, you know, through the course of, you know, my stay in treatment, you know, of course we work on some, some cognitive things and th mm -hmm. those things along the way, and it really went with this mindset that I knew I was going to have to change. Yeah. That that in order for me to get what these people were talking about, mm -hmm. I was going to have to change a couple things. Have an open mind. I was gonna need to be open-minded <laughs> about this program of recovery. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it sounded reasonable. Yeah. I just didn't know if it would be attainable. Right. You know? Um, because I, I kept thinking, you know, well, I don't know if I could do this for five years. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I don't know if I could do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, the you idea. Know, how long do I have to do this? Right. I just have to do it for today. <laughs> That's the thing. I can wrap my brain around today. I can do yeah. today. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the whole shift in mindset because I always lived in the past. I blamed everybody for my past. Mm -hmm. And I always blamed the past of why I could never mm -hmm. get what I want in the future. Yeah, future trip. And mm -hmm. I never was able to be present. Yeah. You know, um, and that's that's what this thing has given me, mm -hmm. a reconnection with, with God today. Yeah. Because we were talking during the break, the, um, you know, if in our program, it, there's a, there is a, a big spiritual component. Obviously, right. we get connected with God. But my mindset going into that was if it was going to have to be the church God yeah. and, and religion was going to have to, uh, uh, that was not going to work for me. Right. And then, you know, I might as well check myself out and then I'll just go back. And if I get cut off, I get cut off. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, f I'll figure it out. Right. You know? Yeah. But it wasn't that. Right. And that's what's so, so relieving. Uh, I, I came in with a firm foundation in, in religion, but yet I couldn't stay sober. So what am I missing here, right? Yeah, we're the opposite with that, because <laughs> right. I know your story too. It's yeah. like, you know, you were heavy into it, mm -hmm. but Still church drinking couldn't keep and doing you sober. Drugs. Church did not keep me sober. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's what I love about the program that we're in, is it leaves the door wide open. Mm. No matter if you're atheist, agnostic, believers, attached to any specific religion, none of that um, will hinder if you have the ability to have an open mind around what a spiritual experience can mean to you. Yes. Um, when we are alcoholics or drug addicts of the chronic, hopeless, powerless variety that they talk about, like we understand what that means. I have this physical allergy. When I put it in my body, I crave more and I can't control it. But even when I'm sober, I have this insane thinking that takes me back to it. Right. And, and so those two things render me powerless. And so when that was described to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I belong here. This is the illness that I've I've had, I've had and why I yeah. couldn't stop. <laughs> and they're sort of like, cool, you know, follow this and do these 12 actions. And I'm like, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> give me the pill. <laughs> right? Give me the pill. Give me three of them. <laughs> yeah, what will three do? Yeah. <laughs> and that was like baffling to me. I'm like, how is me saying this prayer or writing this inventory or making these amends or any how is any of this going to help me? Going to help me? Yeah. Did you think that too, Brittany? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want it to be the answer. Yeah. You know, like I just wanted to be better. Right. You know, um, and and I've <laughs> I'm not a one chip wonder. I've you know I've been trying to do the pro program um, for for years. You know, in and out. Um, but I was never willing. Right? right. And so like when my mind became willing and like you know and I, I became open to the idea of God, mm -hmm. um, things just started happening and I and I began to work the steps and my, my life just progressively got better. You and, know. And that's what's the the miracle that happens for everybody regardless of the ideas they bring in. Like we leave the door wide open. We don't want to have anything to do with uh, religious content. Most definitely. And what I find as I work with and sponsor a lot of people is everybody can get down with spiritual ideas and principles. Mm -hmm. It's about the language that we choose to use to make it attractive. For instance, if I'm, if I'm sitting with somebody and I know they're atheist or they did not grow up with, you know, that sort of conception, but yet they need to get sober, you know, I'll change my language and I'll say, well, do you ever feel persuaded to do the right thing? Or do you ever feel persuaded when the wrong thing happens? Yeah, right. what's compelling you? Yeah, yeah. compel, yeah. persuade. But if I'm sitting with someone who's a believer uh, and that's very vocal about it, I'll say, do you feel convicted by that? Mm. You know, it's about that language. Yeah. And so when you're sitting with a believer, you might use, you know, do you believe in you reap what you sow? And they'll say yes. But if you're sitting with atheists, do you believe in karma? Do you believe you get back wh what you put into the world, that energy of it? Yes, we all believe in the yeah. same stuff. Yeah. It's just the right language. Of language. Yeah. <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. Well, I can say I'm super grateful that like 
the God idea wasn't forced down my throat when I came to mm-hmm. to, to the program, right? Um, and, and it was like, choose your own conception. Mm-hmm. And then just you had to be willing to believe in something greater than yeah. myself. Are you, are you right? the most powerful thing yeah, in the universe? Yeah, because I used to think not. Brittany Germany was the most powerful <laughs> woman in the world, right? Yeah. Like, even though I had a really like low self-esteem, yeah. I had a really high ego. They, that's you know? our common thing. Delusions of grandiosity oh. with yeah. an inferiority complex. Yeah. <laughs> you know how they got me with, with, with it initially? It was, you know, I, I was in treatment. And, and and fellow alumni were coming back and, and this gentleman was you know was speaking one night and he asked all of us to raise our hand who was in treatment. Yeah. So yeah, of course, you know, the thirty of us or whatever, raise your hand. Said, Who does not need some good orderly direction in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Well, my hand was still raised. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, your life was in order, huh? Yeah. Oh, this guy just said God. Yeah. Good orderly direction. And then I started listening to that man a little bit more. You know, mm-hmm. became a dear friend of mine. Yeah. You know, and somebody that uh, you know helped me get through our program. Right. You know, our steps in our program and um, changed my life. Yeah. You know? That's the beauty of it. How how did you? How do you identify with like the hardest part of this the step work process uh, versus the most rewarding? Ooh, okay. So the hardest part for me in the beginning um, was the God idea. Like, so step three, right? Came to yeah. Came to believe that a power greater myself can restore me to sanity, mm-hmm. right? Because I didn't think that anything could yeah. restore me to sanity, especially God, right? You know. Um, but it was there's a saying that says. Um, AA led me to recovery and then recovery led me to God or sorry God led me to recovery and the recovery led me to God right and so that was me like God put me in recovery whether I wanted to be here or not right and then and now I truly my life is full reliance on God you know know? we pray for this life right yeah you know we pray and we don't want to put the footwork and we don't want to do the work right Mm -hmm. when when God placed us right in the place to be able to achieve what we want and you're like no 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 God no 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 no. I got (laughs) this I got this right yeah and then I think the most rewarding um part of my journey has been being able to like clear the wreckage of my past right with my with my families my loved ones um especially my dad my dad is today my best friend yeah. um, and, and I really ruined that relationship and I remember when I was making my amends to him he looked at me I think I had like six months sober and he was like mm, this is what you do yeah. right like yeah. you get sober you get a card you go yeah. he's like I'm skeptical of you and I don't trust you yeah. right and I was like cool I will take that right like because I deserve that um, and I remember when I hit my one year he texted me he was like man one year yeah. he was like look at you go right he was yeah. like I, I'm so proud of you and I, I love you so much like yeah. and that in that moment was like Man, the beauty of those repaired relationships. I was 18 months so before I, I made amends to my parents because I had to travel to a different state to do that, and um, and it was such a beautiful process to get to own up to all the things that he already knew anyway. Right. It was no big secret of the things I was owning up to. He expected it all, but to be able to have a clean, honest slate with yeah. this person and rebuild like a new, honest relationship, mm-hmm. and it's so cool because uh, he doesn't understand addiction or understand this this works. But every year when I get a chip, I'll mail it to him and uh so how how grateful is your mom david oh well so so my mom and i had a extremely toxic relationship Mm. i mean for decades um and and my dad my dad was my dad and i were super close my dad was a business partner he was my best man when i got wet when i got married Mm -hmm. um i mean we were super tight you know my mom and i never had that relationship partly Mostly because of me. Right? You don't um, say. Right, right. To assume yeah. that others were wrong was as far as most yeah. of us ever got. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, after that large, that long, hard look in the mirror and realizing that I am the root of our problem yeah. today. Um, but no, today um, 
we have an incredible relationship. Mm-hmm. We've never been closer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get to be present in her life. I get to show up. I get to be some. I get to be the son that she's proud of today. Yeah. You know, um, funny story. Like I said, when before I went to treatment, she said she was going to write me off. Well, come to find out that she actually did. She changed our our her will and to wow. where I was not in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then just a couple months ago, like I think it was, I think it was like in April when I celebrated my four years. Mm-hmm. Um, we were having lunch one day, and she said, "Hey, you know, I think I'm ready to put you back in. I think mm-hmm. this thing's going to take." Mm-hmm. And that's at four years. Yeah, uh, doing what I do, you know. But I mean, I've been working in recovery for two years. I mean, I'm. I'm not anonymous. I'm very visible. I'm very <laughs> yeah, active. Yeah. You know, to fu- you know, but for her, because it took what it took. Yeah. Um, and there was no amount of words that I could have said that would have changed her mind up to that point. Right. We'll be right back after this break from Relevant Recovery Radio. Don't go anywhere. Remember those kids in school? The ones always raising their hands? I know, I know. Well, we're still doing it. Thanks for taking my call. KPRC 950. Real Texas. Real talk. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your guest host this week, Heather Mosier, and with me is David Ludlow and Brittany Germany. Hi. And we are talking recovery. So here's what's cool. We've worked some steps. We've done some spiritual actions, and we've been given a life that beyond anything we could have fathomed. And we get to share those amazing things together. So another cool thing, not only are we in the fellowship together and, and living this life for free and for fun, we all three work in recovery. Sure yeah. do. <laughs> so David, what do you do? So um, I work for The Right Step here in Houston, which mm-hmm. has been in Houston for, gosh, 28, 28, 29, 30 years, something mm-hmm. like that. You know, long standing um, treatment center here in town. Um, but a couple of years ago, was acquired by Promises Behavioral Health out of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always like to preference I'm not a counselor, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but, but what I do is I run our quality assurance program, mm-hmm. um, deal a lot with regulatory compliance, um, our accreditation with the Joint Commission. So I'm on, I'm on that end of it. Okay. Um, which keeps me very, very, very busy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Brittany, what do you do? Who do you work um, for? So I, I work for Resurgence Behavioral Health. We're a dual diagnosis facility out of California, Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. Um, and we have a facility out in Wimberley, Texas. So I do business development. My job is to basically help people get into treatment. Yeah. Um, and whether or not it's with my facility or not, right? Because sometimes you get people that we can't take their insurance or they're not insured or mm-hmm. they have Medicaid. Um, I My job, I just, I help everyone that right. calls me. It doesn't Same. matter what their insurance looks yeah. like. I'm going to help them get into the right spot. Finding the right reference, yeah. right, right resource. Because everybody, it's such a, it's such a sticky potentially greedy industry and so i'm really grateful to be in this industry with people like you two Uh, and we all have different fasts like i I work for matthew's hope detox right and we are a a 10-day detox program inside st joseph's downtown and and detox is a whole nother ball game besides you know residential like right right step sometimes they come through detox at our facility then we send them to the right step Brittany, you've come up to our place uh, and our, our places work together and so there are many facets of the levels of care, whether it's a medical detox versus residential, IOPs, PHPs, aftercare programs, and, and we need to find the good ones, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> like like us three, right? Well, I think it's well, all collaboration. Another, it is. Yeah. You know, can I, and, and I mean, I come from an extensive like sales and marketing background, you know, and, the, and people buy from people. Mm-hmm. 
we all have the same product. Right. 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 But what sets us apart? Right. We have our niche. And, and, and I know that um, if it's if it's somebody that I know that within the promises umbrella, we can't help necessarily or one of our other Texas facilities. Um, I know I can call Brittany. Most right. definitely. I can call. Um, I'll be more apt to call my friends in the program yeah. right. that yep. I know work in recovery yeah. <laughs> and be like, Same. hey, yeah. we need to get this yeah. person into treatment. Exactly. You know, well, and, and it's and it's always a yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And it. the reality yeah. of it is too is like not everybody is made for a certain treatment center, right? No. Because right. a lot of treatment centers offer a lot of different modalities, which is great. Right. But like someone with a, you know, might need a higher level of care, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's more mental health primary than it is substance use, right? right. So like I, I always want to do like the assessment before I even put it in admissions to right. do the assessment, right? Like really I, what's best for the what's for the best person, best for them. right? Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know? And what makes it, makes I, I'm glad you mentioned the different modalities because opioid, the opioid overdose rate, uh, it, I think it's like 93,000 93, for, for 2020. Yeah. That's crazy. And how much, do you know how much that was uh, up from the year before? What percentage? I think 35%. Yeah. And I think the, and it's already surpassed like the World War II death rate. All as of well. the de- yeah. war oh, yeah. death yeah. rates. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know? insane. Just from, from opioids. Yeah. Just that. Just, Just that. that. Yeah. Right. And that should blow everybody's mind that this right. isn't plastered on every It's a pandemic in itself. Everywhere. You know? Um, that we're losing people. And, and it's something that's completely treatable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There, there, there is a way to get recovered uh, from sure. it. I, I was, you know, the heroin, the opioid uh, door opened for me in 2013. And, and man, it turned my life upside down and I didn't see it coming. And when we look at, I, I went to treatment five times. I was not a one chip wonder. <laughs> I went to multiple detoxes, multiple 30-day residentials, multiple sober livings. And I, I had a stack of those newcomer chips mm-hmm. um, and unable to figure out why I couldn't get it. And and so when I finally went to a place in the hill country that described to me what was wrong with me and what the solution <laughs> was, like, man, that's what I live for today. Yeah. Like the fact that I, I just try to copy what that person did because all the light bulbs in my head went off. I didn't do everything I should have done initially. It took me another 10 months to, to be willing to do the actions. But, but it planted the seed. It planted that right. seed. And so I can't ever underestimate the things that we do for these clients that come through our facilities mm-hmm. of just planting a seed. Yeah. Changed my life forever mm-hmm. that I then applied a few months later. I mean, there's nothing I find more, more joy in is, you know, when you've seen somebody admit multiple times mm-hmm. and then finally hit some milestones in this thing. Yeah, most definitely. You, know? you watch the light come on uh, and it's just like the most, like it's so gratifying. It's amazing. Like with sponsees, right? Like when you're working them, yep. you're working with them and all of a sudden it's just like that moment they're like, boom. And you're like, we get to like, witness yeah, real miracles. miracles yeah. Some you know? people are like, where are the miracles today? Yeah, like like people like may not be walking on water, right? but yeah, come <laughs> we to work witness with them all day, every day. It's, it's amazing, amazing yeah. that we get to do that. I'm so yeah. grateful that we get to do that. And it's crazy. Cause like, it's so, like people from my past will be like, Oh, out of everyone, we never thought you'd be the mm-hmm. one, right? And it's like now today, like I get to genuinely help people, yeah. right? And yeah. like and be an inspiration to people from my past as well. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people, I mean, at least probably a dozen or so folks, again, because I'm very visible about my journey mm-hmm. that have knew, knew me prior to 2017. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you were an absolute train wreck. <laughs> and I see your life today. And the You're course, on the tracks. How'd you do it? Yeah. yeah. You know, and and a good number of those folks um, all have over a year of sobriety Isn't that now. Amazing, that's amazing. Because they were like, I see your journey, and 
yeah, you were a mess and you did it. What'd you do? Yep. And I just shared our message. Right. Yep. And people always you know, say, if, if Heather can do it, anybody, right. anybody can, can do it. Right. She was and as that's far so down and hopeless if, as they can yeah. go. I mean, for, for anybody listening, you know, um, but the three of us in this room, I mean, if if the three of us can can Do find it. recovery yeah. and and find this this peace and freedom and serenity that comes with recovery, anybody can do this mm-hmm. thing if they have the, the willingness. willingness to go to any length. The to willingness get it. to take some action. And I yeah. think that, that that's the other frustrating side of working in recovery Oof. is all the people that you wish you could just shake it into them mm-hmm. and get them to hear it and they don't have ears to hear. It. But that's what we're talking about planting seeds. Sometimes usually they come back around and mm-hmm. you do get to see that miracle. Yeah, there's days where it's, you know, our job is to carry the message. Yeah. Some days wish we could shake yeah. it into shake them, it into right? Them. But <laughs> it's definitely. just to carry the message. I just yeah. remember my, I felt so hopeless for so long and then my last time in treatment they were giving us the general statistics statistics. Hey, you know, there's there's 80 of you and, and a year from now, only about five of you will still be sober yeah. and one or two of you will be dead. Just we can't scare you into recovery. But there's the distance. And I that's the hard that. reality of it, though. It you is. Know? No and matter where you go. Sad. I remember my sponsor told me she was like one in three of your sponsees mm-hmm. may or may not yeah, stay. You well, know? That's I've a been, better statistic than I have. I have one in 10. Uh, maybe I've it was been, one in 10. I've been <laughs> yeah, one in 10. 51 months and either... I mean, direct one-on-one folks that I've know I've lost fifty-four people since I've gotten sober. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, you know, I was telling my husband, who's also in recovery. You know, so we go to a lot of funerals. You yeah. know, and and, yeah. and I said I can't wait until we're like those crusty old timers that that we go to funerals because these people have died sober with mm-hmm. like 30, 40, 50 yeah. years. You know, and, than the and disease, I tend to be right? one where I, I I get all these phone calls. You yeah. know, the, the the bad ones, right? You know, and people. I was having this conversation conversation the other day was like you know how does that affect you and i said really quite frankly it it tells me that more work has to be done yeah yeah that i can never let up yeah because it can easily be me never i'll never be done paying my debt no to to what this life and so we have really cool lives i heard that y'all went skydiving yes we did we jumped out of a perfectly good airplane we got really close to god Got really close to God. Yeah. Addressed some that fears. That was definitely an intimate occasion that I was like, okay, like that was like the moment where I was like, God, I trust you, right? Like I trust you're going to take care of this guy who's like, I'm latched onto that you're yeah. going to take care of him. He's going to take care of me. And like in that moment, I just had to let go and let God for real. That you is know? so cool. It so yeah. cool. It's like the ultimate trust fall. It, it was exhilarating. So is. <laughs> and, we, and, and that's the thing. I think when I was first getting sober, it was how, how, how will I ever be able to have fun, fun again? Yeah. yeah. Well, will you please take me with you next time? Absolutely. I would love to jump out of a perfectly good airplane with Come you. Come on, girl. 110%. <laughs> Come on. 110%. Thank you for listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. This was Heather Mosier with Matthew's Hope. If you need help with addiction or substance use, please give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673 or matthewshope.org. Thank you.